Listen up, MogoCast listeners. 2009 is finally here, and now, GoDaddy hosting plans are more powerful than ever. Best of all, plans start at just $3.95 a month, and no matter what plan you choose, your site receives 24-7 maintenance and protection in the GoDaddy.com world-class data center. Plus, as a listener of MogoCast, enter code RON. That's R-O-N when you check out and get your .com domain name for just $6.95 a year. Some restrictions always apply, but check that site out for the details. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. This is Professor McGonagall welcoming you to all to MuggleCast. Hoping you enjoyed. Dobby, Dobby, come here. Here, Dobby. Yes, well, I'd just like to say how very pleased I am to introduce MuggleCast to all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Because MuggleCast has successfully completed another year of Harry Potter podcasting, this is MuggleCast episode 167 for December 28th, 2008. And look at this, we've reached another year of Harry Potter podcasting. Uh, it's the end of 2008. Welcome everyone to another edition of MuggleCast. We have a wonderful panel this week. Matt, Eric, Micah, Laura, they're all here. Hey guys. Hey. Hey. Another year gone. Oh, <laughs> uh, you went there. should play that clip. Another year gone. <laughs> That's a very um, memorable line, just the way he says it. It's it was, it was I know, nice. because it's like the little withered hand that just goes, gone. Yeah. Yeah, it was nice. But um, we're here to talk about the year that was 2008. There's been a lot of news, and we got some fun segments planned. We're going to look at uh, the best of MuggleCast. We're going to look at the best news stories. And um, just for fun, we're going to try this little thing we're going to call the first annual MuggleCasties. And it's an, a, uh, it's an award ceremony where we pick out... Uh, some of the best ofs of the year in in various categories. So um, so it'll be fun, and uh, we'll have a good LOL, and look forward to that. So let's get right into it for our final show of 2008. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Laura Thompson. I'm Mike Tannenbaum. And I'm Matthew Britton. A slow news week, but uh, what's been going on? Everyone's on vacation, not making news, so we just have to deal with it. Yeah, we've only had a couple pieces of news since uh, we last released our show, and one of them was concerning David Heyman. It was kind of a follow-up to the news item we had on last week's show, uh, where he was talking a little bit more about the split for Deathly Hollows, and he said that 
he's still debating where the movie is actually going to be split, but he thinks that he may have found a spot. And this was an interview he did at his premiere of Yes Man uh, last week. So what do you guys think? Where is this movie going to end up being split? Mm. And why is it taking so long for them to figure it out? Why is it taking them so long to give us a freaking poster of the movie is what I want to ask. <laughs> Pratfoot Prince. Yeah. I think they're talking about minute details like where exactly to split it, you know, and and yeah. they've also got to with part two, they've got to come into it, you know, with a montage so has to be exciting. Or, or, or something. They got they got to they got to come into it. It can't just, you know, open up with Harry, Ron and Hermione going to. Uh, Xenophilius Lovegood's house, or or maybe it can, or maybe they knock on the door and he opens up, and that's the end of part one. You know, I think the reason that um they're still deciding is because I mean, you know, like Eric was sort of describing, it really is a big decision where to split it. So, you know, if if they they don't want to take it lightly because you have to end it with a very uh, <clears throat> awesome ending and then kick it off with a very cool well, storyboarding opening. and they, you and know, they have you know, to film it too yeah first. yeah they have to film it and storyboarding and planning the shoot you know planning when they're going to shoot what it helps if you know what scenes are in the movie and which scenes you wanted to worry about for another four months i think it would be cool if they did it i have my copy open right now um if they did the split at the end of chapter 22 the Deathly Hallows right after they get captured and then they start the second movie um, at Malfoy Manor. I think that would be really that, Yeah, That sounds sweet. pretty good because they're ending high and they're starting well, high. Do you think so. they'll show the Malfoy Manor scene in the beginning? I think they may like show like a panoramic shot of the Malfoy Manor while they're going up in the stagecoach mm-hmm. or something. That would be a, yeah. I would think a pretty good scene to end on. Or yeah. like you don't know what house they're going. I mean you just found out it's the Malfoy's house or something when, and then it goes to dark or something. Will Harry survive the Draco's Draco's lair? Tune in next time. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> like an old school. Yeah, awesome. Tune in next time for the exciting conclusion. What else is going on this week, Micah? Just one more news story was in the Jerusalem Post, an interview with Jason Isaacs, who really seems to love what he does on the Potter films. Um, and... Uh, you know, he said that he had a ridiculously good time making the films, and he recalled specific scenes with certain actors and actresses. Um, but as, as far as the last book being made into two films, he says that he thought it was a mistake. And the reason he thought it was a mistake was because he would rather it be made into ten films so he can do it for the rest <laughs> of his life. <laughs> oh, 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 that's silly, Jason. Oh. He had me fooled for a second. So... I um well that that's nice of him and you know they that really is nice to hear that one of the actors really truly appreciates working on the films. You know, you're not going to hear all the actors saying that. Yeah. Emma Thompson for example who couldn't wait to get oh. out. <laughs> oh, whatever, Andrew. Jeez, she So she doesn't like being in 10 minutes of a 3-hour film. Yeah, I know, really. That's that's not Well, <laughs> Hey, I, it, 10 minutes of a film means you don't have much to film, so you could do two films at once if you wanted to. That's my opinion. Was there anything else really, Micah? No, that's all I got. I say it with depression because I, I get sad when there's no news. It's one of my favorite segments to do here on MuggleCast. And, well, we'll be talking about plenty of news in a couple of minutes when we do the year in review. As for announcements this week, uh, we'd like to remind everyone that we're going to be at Azcatraz 2009. Um, Tickets, uh, we just heard that tickets are running out very quickly for the IMAX, the midnight IMAX screening of um, 
That would be Half-Blood Prince, I believe it's called. HP2009.org. Tickets running out for the IMAX. Once the IMAX ones run out, they are going to go to... Um, there's going to be also be a normal theater playing it. So that'll be cool. But, you know, you may want to see it in an IMAX because there's like 25 minutes of 3D footage. Yeah. And so we'll be there, be too. Cool. Say hi. Yeah. And then afterwards, we're going to be doing the live podcast uh, discussing the film and everyone's excitement. So it's going to be a huge party all night long. Ooh, no sleep. Until like 5 a.m. when we go to bed. We're not going to bed. This um, is... No, we're not going to it's bed. It's Half-Blood Prince night. We waited an extra eight months for this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we made a YouTube video. Um, don't forget to vote for us on Podcast Alley. It's uh, December and we're going into January. So we appreciate your vote there. And uh, also, talk about this real quick. Uh, a few days ago, MuggleNet debuted a brand new feature on the site, MuggleSpace. MuggleSpace.com. It's the first and only, for now, until a million of them pop up now that we've done it, uh, social network for Harry Potter fans. Yeah. And it's similar to Facebook and MySpace, hence MuggleSpace. Um, I have to say, we've been kicking around this idea for a while. Yeah, and it's... we finally brought it to life, and there it is, and it's been a great success. We have close to five thousand members as of Friday night, and a lot of people. It's been getting great reviews, better than I thought it would, to be honest with you. So it's been exceeding our expectations, I think. And uh, check it out, MuggleSpace.com. You can connect with other Harry Potter fans, and it's just a it's a whole lot of fun. Cool. Isn't that right, Micah and Laura? Yeah, it is. And Matt, friend us, yep. Eric. You need to get a profile. Yeah, I do need to get a yeah, profile. Eric. Dude, I, it's easy. Sign up today. What if there's already an Eric? What, what am I going to do then? Am I going to do like... Well, you can be Eric Skull. Oh, what if there's already another Eric yeah, Skull? You never know. I'm searching. No, there's not. But it turned up a profile of a girl who I assume has you. Yeah. My friend still wears the shoes that Eric Skull signed. Skull signed. Aww. So there you go. You can learn things yeah. here. On yeah, you can learn things. It's very and, and there's a chat that's always going on too. Okay, so as everyone knows, this is our year-end episode, and we want to look back at lots of news and stuff that's been going on, but we also want to look back at uh, the best of MuggleCast, and we have a few clips we're going to play this week and spread them throughout the show. Um, So first, we're going to listen to, this was episode 134 for March 1st, 2008. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the program. Um, I just want to start the show off this week with a few emails I got about uh, last week's show. So uh, let me kick it off here. Jen from New Jersey, I just wanted to tell you that you accidentally dropped the F-bomb in episode 133 at 59 minutes, 31 seconds. Just wanted to tell you so you can edit it out or whatever. I'm a clone from Nashville. At 59.30 of episode 133, you dropped the F-bomb. Not very family-friendly, as you mentioned earlier in the episode. Jessica B., 17, of Cobbleskill, New York. You said a very bad word during minute 59, and you missed it again. Whoops, slipping up in your old age. Nick B., 13, of Boston. I can't believe you dropped an F-bomb on the show and didn't cut it out. Can you believe this was my mom's first show? Just kidding, but I thought I might put it out to you. Ha, ha, ha. Emily, 18, of Lynchburg College, Virginia. Just FYI, Andrew, you dropped an F-bomb that made it through editing at 59.31 on episode 133. Just thought you should know. Not really concerned, but thought you might be. From Matt, hey, Andrew, you accidentally forgot to edit yourself out saying get it around 50, 60 minutes into the show. It is not... <laughs> really noticeable, but I thought I would let you know. Helene, you totally said on air, 59 minutes, 31 seconds. Oopsies. I know! I said the F word! Sorry! Ugh. Wait. Now you know how I feel when you forget to edit me. Which, okay, what's what's the what's the word? The F? Is it fecal matter? <laughs> is it is it frustrated? Yes, man, whatever you say. Oh, wait, it's f- 
Yeah. You said <laughs> on the show, was. Andrew. You're not supposed to say on the show. I can't believe you said that. You moron. Uh, guys, seriously, seriously, <laughs> shut the <laughs> up. <laughs> so there you go. We got so many emails about that. Um, when that, you know, after that aired <laughs> most of them positive saying that was funny but we did get some people saying it was yeah a bit inappropriate i guess <laughs> anyway uh we'll play some more clips throughout the show and later on let's for right now get into muggle mail this week who wants to take the first one sweet first muggle mail this week comes from john 36 of chicago he says Hey guys, I've enjoyed the podcast for a while now. I was especially into the chapter-by-chapter discussions, which is why I was interested in this podcast so much. Good to hear it. In MogoCast 165, Beetle the Bart analyzed someone, parenthesis, I'm sorry, but I forget who, mentions the fact that the tale of the three brothers was word-for-word the same as the tale... Hermione told in Book 7 of the Love Goods, This sparked the complaint among some of you that it would have been nice to have some difference between the two. I just got Beetle for Christmas, and you're right, it was word for word the same. But the thing that I think you guys missed in your discussion was that on page X111 of the introduction, Joe says that this is a brand new translation by Hermione Granger. So it makes sense that she would tell the tale the same way both times. In Book 7, she had spent months translating the story when she retold it in Xenophilius Lovegood's house. I would think she knew it by heart. Just point this out as something to ponder. Merry Christmas, John. Well, thanks for bringing that up, because we did not see that. <laughs> oh, I mean, we we read it, though. I mean, we did discuss that it was her who translated it, but we just didn't put connect the two together. I think what all of us were looking for was just more in-depth storytelling as opposed to what we heard in Deathly Hollows we felt was a shortened version and we were looking for maybe a little bit more to it. I don't necessarily think that the, we were arguing the translation side of it. At least that was what I took away from it. Well, we were saying why was why was the translation exactly the same? Right. Uh, yeah, so I, I understand I, that, I mean, but I was looking for more substance to the story, I guess you could say, more than just however many pages it ended up being in Beetle the Bard. Would you have felt that there should have been more? Do you think you would have felt the same if that story actually wasn't in Deathly Hallows? I mean, you know what I mean? So it's like, maybe you feel just underwhelmed just because you've already read it. Like, in hindsight, I'm not really complaining. No. I, I thought it was fine. It, you know, the explanation in the beginning of the book that um, John points out was a great point. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Does it, feel like, does it feel like the other stories in Beetle the Bard, to you guys, does it feel like they were um, of a different tone? And then when you get to the three brothers, it was like a word for word what we heard in the book, and it was nothing special, and it felt like it was just pulled. Is that how you felt? I mean, I guess that would make sense. Well, to be perfectly honest, I'm pulling a Micah and GOF movie at the moment. I don't think I've... I, 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 I haven't read the book yet. You haven't read it? Who are you? Was, yeah, dude, get off this show. Dude, my it, December is like... I don't care. It, it, get it, off this show. It is a show. pretty <laughs> big book, though. It was, uh, it was Order <laughs> of the Phoenix, first of all, not Goblet of Fire, that I didn't see. Um, so... <laughs> But uh, I don't know. I just think that, honestly, I don't remember uh, what the story was from Deathly Hollows. So to me, reading it in Beetle the Bard was fine. You know, Eric, to answer your question, I felt like the the stories got progressively darker 
as you went along throughout Beetle the Bard. So I didn't I didn't really feel as if we were missing out on anything, but I could understand somebody making the argument saying, Hey, well, we got this in Deathly Hollows. Why is it exactly the same in Beetle the Bard? Shouldn't there have been more to it? But at the same time, you get that in Dumbledore's commentary. And also, if they add, if they added more to the story, then it wouldn't have made sense if Hermione didn't say it in Deathly Hollows, because then she left out a piece of the story that could right. have been important for the Deathly Hollows. Well, I almost thought in Deathly Hollows, I thought she was just giving like a summary of all the high points. Right. Like mm-hmm. I thought it because if you too. look at the tales in the book, the rest are longer significantly than the tale of the three brothers. So it's not that I'm complaining about feeling like I was shorted out of something or that I felt like the story was lacking. I just feel like in terms of practicality, her translation for a new version of Beetle the Bard years and years after Deathly Hallows happened would not be exactly the same as the one that she told Harry and Ron when she was 17. But that's just me. Yeah. But then again, yeah. like like what's been said, if it was a different translation, it would kind of be weird. Yeah. From the point, you know, so. Yeah, both points are, are valid. And, 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 and I wouldn't look for something different as in new information, but even said differently, worded differently a little bit, or, I you know, just eclectically told, like even even – you know, just a little bit different would would be uh, refreshing, interesting, new, and it's okay that they didn't do that because, of course, we got lots of other tales of Beetle the Bard that were all new and awesome. Eric has so. seen Half Blood Prince, but has not read Beetle the Bard. Let's try to make some sense out of that one. I bought it the day it came out. Come on, seriously. We should make you read it, like, right now as we record. Because it takes an hour to read. And you're a speed reader. You could probably knock it out in a half hour. Oh, no, I'm a speed typer. I can't speed read. Well, you were beating us when we were reading Deathly Hollows, so. Oh. Yeah, that's true. It's because he didn't sleep. Huh? It's because he didn't sleep. Oh, oh, that's, that's true. <laughs> I'm one of like, how many of us didn't sleep? But we, I wasn't the first one to get done. Someone else was the first Kevin, one to get done. Kevin was the first. Kevin was the first. Well, he already Yeah, that's it. because he cheated. Oh, that's right. Well, because like every time we'd be like, what? he'd be like, what page are you on? And we'd be like, uh, 320. And he'd be like, oh, oh, you <laughs> are about to hit something big. <laughs> I hate that you when that? people do that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Kevin just gets his own brand of enthusiastic there. Right. He was, yeah. Cryptic. Oh, oh, you are about to hit something. It'd either be that or, oh, okay, you're not at the big part yet. <laughs> so funny. Well, yeah, then didn't we just like, Jamie uh, also read, like, half of it or at least the epilogue or something? Yeah, some half of it or something. He did? Yeah, oh, and funny. I got there and I was well, like, Emerson what the hell is wrong with you people? Yeah. All right, our next, our next email comes from Rhonda. Um, who is way too old to admit her age. But she's from Illinois, so uh, it evens out. Okay, so Rhonda says, I was listening to MuggleCast 166. Someone wrote in questions if Crookshanks could have been Lily Potter. On a similar line of thinking, until the end of the book, I had I had thought that Crookshanks could have been Regulus Arcturus Black, because Sirius was a dog animagus. In astronomy, Sirius is Alpha Canis, the dog star. Likewise, Regulus is Alpha Lioness, the brightest star in the constellation Leo, the lion, a feline, marking Leo's heart. So, what do you guys think? I don't know. I think it would have been overdone if we had more secret animagi. That's just me. Hey, Laura, we don't 
belittle you when you give us a parallel. <laughs> no, I'm, I mean, it's not that it's a bad theory. It's very well researched. But, mm-hmm. I mean, we already had Sirius and Peter Pettigrew. Yeah. It is yeah. a cool so, connection, though, I have to say. Like, you and, you, you wonder if she did that on purpose. Cool and Rita really Skeeter. Good. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of that going on. I think it's I think it's more it's more probable that, that Regulus was Crookshanks because Lily is a girl and Crookshanks is a guy cat. Next mail comes from Christopher, 21, of Ithaca, New York. He writes, Hello, Mugglecasters. I wanted to comment about your statement about the actual amount of shooting time for the new film. You state that it will take about 54 weeks. In reality, if you think about it, 54 weeks seems shorts when you think about the following. Additional casting, airline flights to sets, hotel accommodations, set and prop preparations, children's filming hours with going to school. In my opinion, I feel they would need more time to film in order to create an awesome movie. Thanks a lot for allowing my thoughts. So there you go. There's just a little insight on, you know, why why it's why on earth it's taking 54 weeks. And it's understandable. I mean, you know, it's a lot. But then again, they do have huge crews and such, so... I mean, we shall see. And, and I mean, I, I don't know if the kids are being schooled anymore. They were. It was certainly a, a, a consideration for the first few films, but... Yeah. Well, they're, they're still going to have extras, though, yeah. who are in school. And, like, yes, a van, Second uh, unit filming and stuff like that. And plus, like, um, someone brought up last week, you know, the child labor laws really delay them a lot, too, for the extras. I mean, you know, they, they must have a really hard time filming in the Great Hall with all the kids filming yeah. it. The next email comes from Ruby, 15 of Seattle. Uh, she says, Hey guys, I love the show and just finished listening to episode 166. There was a part of this episode where you talked about Harry offering Voldemort a chance to repent. You mentioned that Harry gave him the option to save himself, but when I was reading the book, I always thought that Harry almost said this out of desperation. On page 103 of the American edition, Hermione mentions that remorse which I relate closely to the act of repenting, could kill the person who feels so. It made me think that maybe Harry was trying to get Voldemort to destroy himself without Harry needing to do anything but talk. Not that Harry is anything like a coward, but it was worth a shot. Just wanted to see what you thought. Keep up the great shows. Do you guys think that makes sense? Like, I mean, do you think Harry really wanted to see if Voldemort would kill himself? It's possible. I don't know about killing himself. I mean, I think... Harry is all about giving him as many choices as he can because choices is the theme. You know, he wanted he wanted to give Voldemort a chance to repent simply to see if he would do it at this his last most vulnerable moment after he knew that his Horcruxes were gone and that that that, that he was really in trouble and in front of everybody and he he opted to not be uh, you know perceived as weak uh, by everyone and opted not to repent and then got his got his uh, got his 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 life ended yeah <laughs> kind of would have been funny if Voldemort <laughs> just like put the self-combusted like he couldn't take it so he just blew up yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it exploded that would have like, been lava messy. came out I found the source of the ticking it's a bite bomb it's like uh, what is it in the Flintstones when smoke comes out of uh, Fred's ears <laughs> is that it <laughs> Voldemort just went you know you're right boom <laughs> But that would that would teach kids like suicide in a way, wouldn't it? I mean, not not that they yeah you feel know, bad about something and you're gonna blow up. I mean, not to say that Harry Potter. I mean, I guess you could argue if it's teaching suicide, then it's also teaching people to kill other people. But mm. isn't that the best lesson uh, I, of all? Homicide. Homicide. Yeah. 
Um, okay, and the last email for today comes from Lauren24 of Denver, Colorado, and he writes, I assume it's he, uh, Lauren Michaels uh, is the creator of, or producer of SNL, and he's a dude, so I'm going to go with dude. Um, Hi, MuggleCast. I'm a new listener and loving every minute of it. Well, welcome, Lauren. I don't really have a question or suggestion. I have an observation about the endings of Half-Blood Prince and Hollows in relation to the house point hourglasses at Hogwarts. I don't know if this was intentional on Joe's part, but at the end of Half-Blood Prince, during the battle in the castle, someone smashes the Gryffindor house glass hourglass, and all the rubies inside are scattered across the floor. This happened on the same night that Dumbledore, or Gryffindor, met his demise atop the astronomy tower. In Deathly Hollows, the same thing happens on the Slytherin hourglass, with all the emeralds scattering and Voldemort, a Slytherin, meaning his downfall. I don't know if you have ever talked about this before, but you are always looking for connections throughout the books, so I thought I would share it. Again, I don't know if it's intentional, but I do think it is interesting. P.S. Voldemort's eyes are red in the books, Harry's are green, opposite colors to the house they are in. So that's a a, a pretty cool parallel, too. Yeah, it's a nice... Use of symbolism. Yeah, because, you know, Dumbledore fell off an astronomy tower, so when he hit the floor, you know, Dumbledore probably went all over the place. And when (laughs) Snape got bitten by the the snake, um, his blood went all over the place, so... How does that relate to... How can you draw the parallel to that in Voldemort, though? Because he didn't exactly explode. We could have, if Harry would have let him. Oh, damn it. I wish. That would have been an awesome parallel. Well, Snape also died that night, too. Yeah. And he was Slytherin, right? Yeah. yeah. No, he was Hufflepuff. thought so. Wasn't sure. Just had to check. <laughs> what did you say, Laura? <laughs> I, I thought you said, uh, no, he was Hufflepuff or something like that. <laughs> I'll play that back in editing, and I'll know exactly what you said. <laughs> so... Okay, well, uh, that's rebuttals, or that's Muggle Mail for this week, and it's time to take a look at another of the best of MuggleCast 2008. This would be our March 16th show. That uh, was episode 137, so let's hear the clip. Hello, nice to be with you. It's great to have you here and hear that voice. Yeah. It's kind of surreal <laughs> hearing it outside the audiobooks. <laughs> Definitely. We want to start off the questions today with a uh, recent news story. I'm not sure if you heard about this yet, but they decided to split the final film into two parts. Did you hear about this? Yes, I read, ab- I read about that. You know, my, my only problem with the films is, you know, if a, if a story is written for the screen, then it has a beginning, a middle, and end, including all the characters. When you take an existing story that lasts, when you listen to it or read it, it lasts 27 hours, and you try to condense that into a two-hour film, you're surely missing out and losing a lot of, first of all, the story and all the side stories and all the characters. I think uh, 60 characters were missing from one of the films due to the fact they had to edit the story down so much so that's a pity but if they're going to make it into two films then at least it gives all of us a, a chance of seeing and hearing uh, a little bit more of the stories and the subsidiary characters in that story right i'm very pleased they're doing that yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah. What a wa- so there's what a, wise a clip man. of oh, the jim dale jim interview dale. and you know what was so great about him uh, we didn't even ask him a question about that like, we were about to, but, you know, we asked him, had you heard the story? And he just jumped into a great explanation and um, of, you know, why he felt like it was a good idea. I wonder where yeah. he got that fact from. We never really talked about that. He said from one of the films he thought he heard 60 characters were cl- uh, cut. I well, wonder- that's, that, that's my comment, that Jim Dale is so brilliant and he knew 
again with 27 hours you know he knows how long his audiobooks are he knows how mm-hmm. long you know how much work he put in and how much was got you know how much came out of it he knows his own stuff he knows his own work and and so for for him to say 60 characters were cut out of a film, that's possibly, I mean, maybe something he even looked up. Yeah, I was going to say, he totally counted I mean, those, on himself. <laughs> those, are 60, those are 60 characters that he voiced that weren't in the movie. You know, that just, that just could be something that he knows just because he's that cool and that into uh, the, the work and the character could be part of his preparation. You guys should have asked him, actually, yeah. on the show. Do you think he kept a tally like when he was watching, let's say it was Prisoner of Azkaban, do you think he just like kept a tally throughout the movie whenever he the, he like had the like, book in hand and he was like <laughs> paging through that? No, that's like OCD, but <laughs> I, I, don't th- I don't think he's crazy. I just think he's good at what he does. Yeah. I just yeah. think he's thorough. I could just see him sitting there, like, interview. taking yeah. names off, being like, where the hell is Peeves? <laughs> where the bloody hell is Peeves? <laughs> you just see him. Just go, oh, they cut this one, too. Oh, God. Yeah. That's such a good... Bollocks. <laughs> well, he was so attached to some of the characters, though, because he said, in especially in that conference, that he drew so many uh, of those voices from people he knew in his real life. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. And it was so, it was really such a pleasure seeing him there at Portis. And Micah and I, um, I'll never forget that moment, Micah. <laughs> Just sitting there watching with you, and then we turned heads and stared into each other's eyes. And and that group photo we all happens. took. That was awesome, it's Jim Dale. What that group photo we took with Jim? Oh that yeah, so that one without me. Yeah. That. Oh, it was yeah. so nice. Thanks, guys. Thanks hey, for remember t- that? Remember that time you guys all went and saw JKR except for me? <laughs> hey, remember that time? Were you even there? <laughs> no, I wasn't yeah. there. But oh. no, I didn't well, I well, I was there and I didn't get to see him. You guys all ditched me in the oh, hotel yeah, room. <laughs> well, <we> yeah. could- <laughs> that. <laughs> that was so funny. I don't know if we ever told this story on MuggleCast. We may have, but I think we did actually on that Dumbledore's Gate episode. But um, did we? The first thing we just came into the hotel room and Matt. And Elisa and her friend Sean were in there. And the first thing we said was, Guys! <laughs> Dumbledore is gay! No, yeah, okay, well, okay, we opened the door, and literally, right when it cracked open, we heard the word gay like 15 times from like five different people. Gay! No, he's gay! He's gay! Oh my god, he's gay! Gay! That's all I heard. It was so much fun telling people. It still is. But see, you guys didn't even believe us at first. You were like, no! Yeah. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Keeping on the theme of our year in review, we're going to talk about the top news stories of 2008, and we're going to do something different this year, you know, make it a little more exciting. We're going to count down the top seven stories of 2008. Um, counting backwards. Yeah, we're going yeah, backwards, backwards, right? right. So it'll lead up to the number one story, and we'll leave everyone guessing what the number one story will be. Um, so let's kick it off. The, the seventh, uh, counting down... Starting with number seven, Warner Brothers announcing um, Harry Potter the Exhibition. And uh, Eric, I want to jump right in and first ask you, have you gotten your tickets to this yet? Because it's right there in your town of Chicago. I have not uh, secured my tickets uh, uh, per se, but uh, IDK, my, my BFF, the, the Phelps twins, have assured me that I will uh, that I will uh, that I will be there. So what? Are you in touch with them or something? <laughs> oh yeah. Are you really? No, you're not. No. Yeah. Gonna... <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you can get tickets online, so you may as well get them soon. No, actually, I... actually, you're you're exactly right. This um, news story totally reminds me, and and, and along with the the IMAX Azcatraz, I have to make sure we have those too. Yeah. 
give, give you a to-do list. Because that would um, be, that'd be a fun podcast to do if I hadn't seen it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. What is Why are we putting this here on the top seven stories of 2008? Um, personally, I think it's a really, really cool thing for the fandom. Because who, you know, everyone... Well, you don't say it because it's it's kind of impossible for ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the fandom. But everyone wants to go to you know it'd be so cool to check out the Harry Potter sets in person. And this is like in a way, I really think it's going to feel like um, being on the Harry Potter set. We saw the concept art, and um, they're going to have these these great rooms to put everything on exhibit. So I think it's going to be really cool. I mean, it 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 is a big deal. It's it, along with the movies. This is pretty much the biggest thing that's going to happen uh, within the next couple of years, the movies and conventions. That is – it's huge. It's it's absolutely huge because before now, the only place you could go for movie set stuff was Burbank, California, the Warner Brothers studio lot right. where they had the Ford Anglia and a few of the costumes. But this is something that is going to Japan and Chicago and all sorts of the other places. like Coming Georgia. You know, really big deals. Yeah. Yeah. It's coming to coming. I think like anything else that we have going on in the fandom post book seven, I think it's just another like nice little thing to serve as a remembrance, you know, because yeah. it's, it's like we can look back on, I mean, even gosh, I remember the first Harry Potter movie came out when I was like 12. So Ugh. going and seeing some of this stuff, that's going to take me back to when I was still 12 and when we still only had, you know, four Harry Potter books out, you know, and it, right. it sort of just reminds you of that excitement you once had so yeah. it's going to take you into the future too because it um they're they are going to be um putting items from half-blood prince on display too so you're gonna have nice. some deja vu could be like oh my god i saw that and hopefully like touched it <laughs> <laughs> michael what do you think I, uh i just think it's a great opportunity for fans it's just going off what laura was saying earlier it's just kind of the, the chance for people to go out and hang on in some small way to, to the series. And I think there'll be more and more things like this over the course of the next couple of years as sort of a remembrance to what it meant to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Do definitely. you think, I mean, there's, there's, there's one thing like, cause I would classify this as being like, now that you guys are saying it, it reminds me of like watching, like some people watch the Lord of the Rings documentaries, like the 30 hours of, documentaries on how they did everything you know as, as this museum being kind of like that i don't think there will be spin-off things i think this was you know depending on how successful it is it might find a, per- a permanent home somewhere yeah. but I, I don't i don't know necessarily about spin-offs micah well i've always hoped that eventually they'll turn in like they'll turn leaves and studios into a little museum i mean that'd be awesome It'd be a sin to take down the Great Hall set yeah. and Dumbledore's office set. I and mean, it's just, that's, that's a true sin. It's sad <laughs> because a lot of the set designers, and, and they put a lot of work and detail into this stuff, and you only get to see, what, like a few seconds um, or a few minutes at the most of it, and then they just tear it yeah, down. Yeah, it's over seven so films. It's just, so it's just nice to play a little, you know, to respect the people that take the time to... Um, to put their work into this and that other people get to see it up close and, you know, marvel at how nice it is. Speaking of that, um, they, I'll get to you in a second, Micah, but while Matt's talking about this, um, the, the sets on, you know, the Order of the Phoenix set, Haplod Prince set, they build these and tear them down like so quickly because they, as big as Leafs and Studio is, they got to keep, they, they need more room for all the sets. So they'll take a set and then, 
it's called striking. They'll strike it as soon as it's done. And it's a shame because, you know, there's so much they could do with that. Um, but, you know, they just have to get rid of this stuff, and it's kind of depressing. Go ahead, Micah. Well, I was just going to talk about what Eric was saying with the spinoffs. I, I didn't necessarily mean spinning off of, of the exhibition, but I meant more of these sort of ancillary events where you have, like, a 10th anniversary of Sorcerer's Stone and, you know, follow that up with 10th anniversary of Chamber of Secrets. You have this exhibition. You have Beetle the Bard, which isn't as big as, as the, the previous books, and I'm sure... I just have a feeling J.K. Rowling will do more charity books in the coming years. So I still think that you'll have these little pieces, not specifically one thing, but all these little different moving parts that, that'll keep the fandom going. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Story number six, Harry Potter leaves the New York Times bestseller list for the first time in a decade. How about this? This was um, the reason why this is on the list is because it it really was a milestone, um, and we talked about this when the the news broke. So many fans were upset, and they were like, "This is over. This means the fandom's over." But and it it was a it was kind of a sad story to report. I remember hmm. Laura responding to this on one episode. I can't remember what you said, though. Oh, gosh. In a positive way or what? I, I think it was more of a, hey, everybody, chill out comment. Okay, because I, I hope that I don't like come out and say something that's the complete opposite of what I said before. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, that's kind of how I feel about it, though. Like, yeah, there aren't any more coming out. <laughs> of course it's not going to be on the New York Times bestseller list forever. You... Yeah. I think it's naive to expect that. Right. Who else could have rivaled that though? Has any other series rivaled that? No. No. I mean, it's been like it. I mean, it, it created. I mean, we talked about it. this was also a, a topic that got its own show when we, we you know, or at least got a big part of a show when when it came out that the, it it invented new lists on New York Times because it, you know, it was it invented the children's it was single-handedly responsible for the New York Times children's bestseller list because no other book could sell could sell as well as Harry Potter and Harry Potter this, you know, quote kids book was at the top of the New York Times bestseller list which you know, Dr. Atkins was like all indignant, <laughs> you know. So right. they had to create all these separate lists and really looked at and challenged the way that even such lists were created but but challenged um challenged sales and the way the way everything was was looked at you know yeah. just changed everything yeah. i don't know if i ever well, I told mean, this story on mugglecast i don't think i did but when i used to run my little harry potter website i used to have a page called um something it was something related to the bestseller list and every week i would my dad would and this was my dad's idea and for some reason i liked it i rarely rarely like an idea he gives me for mugglenet these days or the podcast but um he will he would give me the new york times bestsellers and then i would update my site with the rankings because he found it so fascinating and i think a lot of people did that it consistently stayed on top and that was really one of the first signs of its huge popularity like eric was saying and it, it you know it was the reason for creating the children's list so yeah i think it's it's of course extremely remarkable the one thing this the original article pointed out uh, from May 1st of this year was that it was less than a year after um, Deathly Hollows was published. Does that surprise anyone at all that that the final book in the Harry Potter series left the New York Times bestseller list after a year? 
No. Uh, not really. Okay. I mean, <laughs> the fact that it's sold for a year, you know, usually yeah. you think of a hyped book being out, selling great in the first few months. I mean, that consistently sold all year round. That's how many people were continuously getting into it for the first time and reading it yeah. for the first time up to a year afterwards. Think about how many people have that book right. is the other thing. And, and so the question with this news post is what does the story mean for the fandom symbolically and everything? Think about how many people have that book, and yeah. all those people are going to have kids when the book is, you know, the book is around. Book comes out on paperback, that'll sell well, and when it comes out on paperback, it'll 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 probably make another appearance on the bestsellers list, possibly. But I mean, all of that. Think about how many people have the Harry Potter books, and that's just to show how many. I mean, how many there are out in the world, how many people will continuously be exposed to it. Um, the fact that it left the bestseller list just means from now on, people will be getting their Harry Potter books from libraries or you know other sources from fa- family members more. You know. Right. Well, I could understand why some of the fans were just upset because mainly it's just because you know it's 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 just like a, a wake up call of of the fact that you know. Uh, stuff stuff doesn't last forever, and stuff moves on. You know. Yeah. You just can't, so have to change. I don't know. And this was <laughs> looking back on the news post I made. This is um, this was before we found out that Beetle was um going to be published. So at the last paragraph, I put once J.K. Rowling's Potter Encyclopedia is released, we're sure Potter will make a comeback. Story number five. Um, the Half Blood Prince trailers. All as a group together. Um, they certainly sparked a lot of excitement in the fandom, and I'm pretty sure for each of these trailers, we did a live podcast, didn't we? So, that was a lot of fun for us, personally. And why is this on the list? Um, it's all we had. <laughs> well, yeah, true. And it was just so... It, it pumped a lot of um, excitement into the fandom. Uh, I think besides the book releases and the movie releases, the next most excited thing, exciting things are book titles, book covers, and movie trailers. And we got three this year, and ironically enough, the movie's not even coming out until next year. So, um, but that's another. That's a number. That's another. One. That's yeah. another. I story mean, it is another that. number yeah. too. And 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 if you know, we could talk about the prolonged time lapse between getting the first trailer and you know all the stuff we found out in between getting the latest trailer but the latest trailer and and why i think this is significant and maybe this should be the the point is that the latest trailer made everyone okay or the closest to okay they will be with waiting for next year to see the movie that that everyone i I mean has it not received unanimous praise from everyone we did a live show and just for an hour and a half to two hours everyone could only say awesome things about it Right. Well, all the Harry Potter trailers are always awesome. Well, I mean, let's face it, they're all pretty They really are. That is true. We're all excited to see everything. I can't remember ever seeing a trailer and being like, oh, this sucks. They're just always so well done. And some trailers for movies are bad. My only qualm with some of the trailers, and Andrew, you and I have talked about this, it was the guy that they get every now and then. The voice guy? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We were making fun of him online one day. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> just, they just give him something to say, and he says it. They just give him a script. He's just reading what's what they gave him. Yeah, I really um, yeah, and I have to say, those three trailers were three probably of the funnest days of the year for me, <laughs> which may sound lame, but I just love doing live MuggleCast episodes, 
And um, it's always so much fun to do them then because you're really capturing the excitement of the fans when we take the live calls and from ourselves, too. And for, I know, at least two out of these three trailers, we did a live show hours after it came out. Each one came out. So it's very exciting. And do you guys think we're going to get how many more trailers could we be seeing? <laughs> we got to get at least one yeah, more, we right? Get at least uh, one maybe more. one. One in March. So that's four trailers. I mean, that's normally we n- normally would not have received four full. This is really weird. Trailers. Yeah, because we received like like three full teaser trailers or teaser trailers. Period, and we haven't gotten any real, you know, promos or anything like yeah. posters or billboards or anything. Yeah, but I'm glad. I'm glad because I think they overdid it with with movie four particularly. Uh, oh, you think so? Because I think they overdid it with Order of the Phoenix. Well, when was it? I mean, it was movie four. I know they they were posting five to ten minute scenes. Oh of the movie. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. Order of the Phoenix did that too. I hate. Yeah, that. I think they both did that. Yeah. Yahoo Movies yeah. always gets like a bunch of clips. I'm not Sucks. even cool with what like ABC Family does. Like, I'm not even cool with that. Components are like a minute. I mean, I know it's it's cool. It's cool, but I I, I just get edgy when I hear you're, about. You're ABC just like, oh, I've already seen this. Yeah, but, I mean, like no. all you really see in those ABC Family things are just the actors going, "Yeah, this is ru- like Ru- Rupert going, yeah, this is a really cool movie. It's really fun." <laughs> and this one's <laughs> so I mean, much darker. All you hear and Michael Gammon looking like <laughs> yeah. he knows what he's talking. Yeah, I love about that look. First time in ever. <laughs> Every single time they go, "Yeah, this movie's a little darker than the other one because the story's darker, and you know they they get older, and you know they get into the, the adulthood." I think they have a script too. Yeah, What's Eric, I brought four? that up on the show last week. Uh, Michael Gammon really, really sounded intelligent this time. Sounded like he knew what he was doing. I know. Yeah. Like, he really appreciated it, too. It was cool. It, well, he dies in this one. I mean... Well, somebody taught him humility, and, and I think that's the thing. He dies. <laughs> and so he's so, sad. I wonder if he's, he's sad to be leaving the films. Well, he's not. Well, he's he's not. Be in the next oh, movie. Uh, right, that's true. He'll be in the next two. <laughs> well, that's true. Just, just not as much. Oh, yeah. So I guess he doesn't care. Um, All right. Number four, please. Number four story. Uh, Just want to remind you, we're counting down the top top stories of 2008, and we're counting from seven to number one, the biggest story. (laughs) If you just joined us, we're talking about uh, the top stories in Harry Potter. I'm reminding people because sometimes people zone out while they're listening to the show. Well, and remember, before we we do number one, we're going to have to stop for commercial break, like all those VH1 (laughs) shows. Right. The The number one story will be revealed right after this break. And let's review the last three. No, just let's yeah. get on. All right, number four, Deathly Hollows split into two separate films. Uh, this happened you know, very early on I think that this should on be the, on in the, the top year. ones. What? I think this should be higher up. That's my opinion. Why? And why didn't you suggest was... it last night? Oh, wait, you did. I did. Oh, <laughs> I so did. Don't you even start. I said, I no. I just said, I, oh, I, you I don't did. Like... Yeah. Um... Well, personally, the reason I th- it, it, I think it belongs where it is is because, one, the three other stories were much bigger, and this story sort of built up. There were there were several rumors going on um, prior to the official announcement, and even the producers said, uh, yeah, we're looking at this and considering this. And how often do they ever comment on a rumor like this that is pretty, pretty damn big? So... Um, I don't. Uh, Warner Brothers certainly was not keeping this under wraps, and uh, this this also with this official announcement came the announcement of David Yates directing um, 
movie seven. So what do you guys think? What, what, what do you think this is really, I mean, in hindsight, well, let, I'll look at it this way. Nobody complains. I mean, no. I don't think anybody complains. Well, this right? is basically we what every fan. Yeah, we did. Yeah. yeah, we did. We did a big yeah. live show. Yeah, Everyone two was hours. really excited. Yeah. I, I think I think what we could say then is what we could say now that it just seems like they wanted to give it the proper adaptation mm-hmm. and yeah. Well, the, this is the, what every fan says they want in the movies. Yeah. They always said the, the, the if only they did this into two movies. More, more of yeah, them they and, want a longer movie or you know it's split into two, which is you know uh, up up to um, the Deathly Hollows film. It was just you know unimaginable none of the fans ever thought it would ever happen yeah if we wanted it i mean you know we were thinking even as early as god but if people were saying you know just make it two movies make it two movies and it was never seriously considered I remember David Heyman said they even considered that for Goblet of Fire. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, which yeah, is interesting. Did. And then they finally did it with Deathly Hallows, and everyone was like, I mean, the greed greed accusations and all that came later, but everyone was just genuinely happy. <laughs> came later. I think they came pretty damn quick. Yeah. Um, people, but who I mean, cares? You know, I mean, geez. And the reason this Fine. film was split was the same reason why the movie got delayed. Uh, Half-Blood Prince got delayed. So, um, I think this was... Definitely one of the most exciting stories because you know it's an eighth film, but I can't imagine them like because once you split Goblet of Fire, don't you have to split the rest? Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Yeah, and that would I don't think they really needed to split either Order of the Phoenix or Half Blood Prince. I don't think. Could you imagine how how much longer it would take for the whole series to complete? Though I mean, oh my God. we'd be in what 2018 probably. We would all have kids yeah. by the time they finish these movies. Like, yeah. No. So would the trio. <laughs> <laughs> the trio could play um, in the in the epilogue, and they wouldn't need any makeup. Yeah. Oh I think yeah. They, I think they uh, they played it well. That's true. I I really think that one of the reasons behind Goblet of Fire not being split is that they would have had more pressure to split the others, and time wise, that's just especially impossible. because yeah, especially because by then, um, book five was a lot longer than book four. Yeah, and let's you be know, honest. So. Nobody on that cast and crew want to be producing these films for twenty years. I don't even. I mean, yeah, you got to move I, on at some point. Well, I think it's. I think it's what Laura and Micah were saying about the just the age of the. I'm growing up. They, yeah. 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 It's true. They've timed it nicely. I remember. Do you guys remember this? Maybe I'm just making this up. But with the first couple of films, there were a lot of concerns of, oh, gee, they're going to be, you know, twenty by the time the yeah. last film's out, and they're going to look so old, and blah 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 blah. Do you remember that? Well, no. When the first movies came out, they they discussed that they would just change the actors. Well, yeah. There was a little talk of that. Oh, yeah. They're expendable. We'll just get another one when they get too old. Well, and then it became a hit, and that was obviously a dumb decision. But it's also weird that there used to be a day where, I mean, it was just in 2007 when they confirmed that they were signed on through all seven films. I remember remember there we used to have discussions and there used to be days where, you know, we would be like, Do you think they'll come back? Well, wasn't there one point where Emma Watson hadn't signed on because she yeah, was considering going that to was the school? big one. Uh, but who else would they recast, you know? They just keep throwing million dollar bills at her until she said yes. <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, you know, how can you say no to that either? That's a huge career move for you. Story number three. Um, some may argue this was the biggest, and um, when we get to our Twitter segment in a minute, we'll see that most people did say this is the biggest. Half-Blood Prince delayed eight months. And mm-hmm. um, the first question I want to ask is, 
where were you guys when the story broke? Because it's one of those things that you, you know, it's one of those breaking things like, you know, big world events where you remember where you were. I hope all you guys remember because I sure do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was with you, so I, I remember it. I think Laura told me, actually. I was at work. Did I? See, I know yeah. I was at home for the summer, but I don't remember exactly what I was doing or how I found out. I probably the read it Muggle- somewhere. The Mugglenet uh, news story is August 14th. That's the date for it. Yeah. No, I was definitely at home. And the thing, too, was the lead-up. you got to understand, too, the lead-up. Like, where were we? Well, part of where we were when that happened was completely in confusion and anxiety over the fact that a movie was supposedly coming out two, three months, and we hadn't seen or heard near anything um, from DBB. You know, so it was a surprise. It was a shock, and it certainly was in its own way, you know, completely controversial. Um, but we were wondering about it. And so, uh, where were we? Well, you know, we were waiting for news about the movie, not that it had been delayed, not that anyone suspected that it would be no, delayed. It was, especially see, I kind of, I kind of think like we, like it wasn't really like out of the blue. If you think about it, because I mean, we waited for how long? I mean, we thought that the trailer for half blood Prince would come out in, in May. Of this year, yeah, mm-hmm. and it just didn't. And there were months when it just didn't, and we didn't really, we didn't even really question it that much. I mean, we did kind of, but <laughs> I was posting news stories every week. Like <laughs> people would send us in a report. Yeah, I work at uh, this movie theater, and uh, there's no Happy Prince trailer on this reel. So then I'd post no trailer with Kung Fu Panda. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. that. And Micah, did you do it? Did you do a What's Bugging Micah with the movie? I don't think so. I just Maybe got really aggravated him. with all Maybe the pictures. Maybe that's why it was delayed. <laughs> <laughs> my God. <laughs> Laura, what you I say? was just going to say, I remember when we finally got the teaser trailer with young Tom Riddle in it, and I was like, thank God, we know there's actually a movie being filmed now. And then, oh, like, yeah. two weeks later, <laughs> they're like, oh, never mind. <laughs> I don't even think it was two weeks. Yeah. It was like a week, yeah, wasn't it? pretty much, yeah. It was so quick. Well, and I just <sighs> remember my initial reaction was like, oh, God, what's wrong with the movie? Like, I was like, something happened, <laughs> and I was freaking yeah. out about it. Yeah. Who <laughs> right. died? Um, I remember exactly where I was. I was in Target. and We were in line at Target. We were in too. line at Target. I was staring at the magazines, looking at Empire Magazine's fall Half-Blood Prince preview, and there's Harry Potter on the cover. Um, but I remember Ben called and then Eric called and Eric was like, I just tried to call you. And I was in Target where, you know, the reception can be bad when you're in department stores. And so I didn't get his first that's call. That's not but... true. He really just didn't want to talk to you, Eric. Yeah, that's, I, I thought that's so. I thought because I was like, I was, I knew I was like the first person who was going to break the news to him though. So, yeah, just so it's on the record that I called him and then Ben called you him. You called me then... first. And then by the time Bennett called me, I had reception, I guess. So, but it was on. Uh, but you got it up on MuggleNet then pretty fast. So, I mean, yeah, I thought, it was, I thought it was a joke. It's... Yeah. Well, I look at this news post now, and it's seriously, I think, the darkest news post we've ever made. <laughs> it's it's like a funeral. It's it's like a death sentence. It's just terrible. <laughs> and I really did feel like a part of me died inside. I've said that multiple times, and <laughs> I wasn't kidding. <laughs> so. That that was number four, and we'll discuss this in a minute. But three. a lot of people that felt like uh, sorry, that was three. number three. Uh, a lot of people felt like that was the biggest story of two thousand eight. But we'll discuss that in a minute. Um, story number two: 
Oh boy, here we go. The J.K. Rowling versus RDR Books trial. Uh, this was held in it was April, and oh no, sorry, it was March. Right? But it spanned months. Yeah, it went. Right, for I just want to check to make sure. I mean, the actual oh, no, almost the trial the itself year. was held in March, and it was from the 13th to the 16th, or the 14th to the 16th, and. Man, that that was a crazy week on MuggleNet, wasn't it? I mean, for yeah. all you know, just like news it was scary wise. for the fandom, because yeah. you know, especially for MuggleNet and um, um, other uh, websites, because this could—I mean—the outcome could have seriously affected all the all the fan sites and the and and, and fan and fiction writers were were worried as well, and and the implications oh, that yeah. everything would have. And what's fun for me is going back to that week in. You know, muggle that news post and just I, I like watching the thumbnails of each because we we would have different uh, press photos of of Joe right. in, in the business suit showing up at each trial, yeah, and like the different aggravated and like the RDR books spokesperson was was like you know everything was happening and we were we were totally with it at every step of the way. Every time someone said something, we'd have their picture looking you know d- completely disgruntled and 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 attack. You know, defensive and just it was it was great. It was great looking at the uh, the news post thumbnails is fun. Well, let me just say while Eric's on that, I'll tell you real quick that like there was so much news being posted that I felt like we had to have different thumbnails because otherwise they were all going to look the same. <laughs> yeah, because there was yeah. so much news related to it, so we were making thumbnails like crazy. And thank God for Yahoo News, they had like a whole like page where you would just keep going back to for the latest thumbnails for the trial. <laughs> yeah, they had like a gallery every like. Yeah, they did. It was a it was a trial gallery. Yeah, yeah. I got to say thanks to those people for taking so many pictures. No, I just remember going to you. I need a thumbnail. I need a thumbnail. I need a thumbnail. It was, it, but it was also fun. I mean, it was it a was- very busy week of news, but I thought it was fun because you were really following everything that was going on, and you know, like Eric said, we were literally on top of everything and getting news up as quickly as we possibly could. I remember there was some blog on the Wall Street Journal that was following it. That, that was very helpful. Yeah, in terms of explaining everything uh, right. that, that was and, going on legally. And getting reports from inside the courtroom because they would they would update like in the morning. I mean, they, they would update during the, the court um, lunch break, you know, so you had a morning report and then they would update at the end of the day so you had the report from the afternoon. So that was very helpful. And um, I'm going to say it hard for me because I did not, I don't know this court crap, so I was very reliant on the Wall Street Journal blog who put it into simple terms. And I just, I still have memories of just sitting in Rowan in the library and just sitting there at the table just figuring out this stuff and being such a such a such a challenging case for copyright law yeah. um you know just the episodes when we got into it and he questioned you know we went over copyright law and its definition its legal parameters that was all really cool and it allowed us to develop and really talk about stuff and try and handle it informally and and not just uh, not just emotionally you know that yeah. that was really good and that was one of our best episodes because um, we – and that whole copyright law thing was very um, intriguing because we broke it down point by point and we tried to figure it out from an unbiased standpoint. And we got a lot of feedback about that. And I remember specifically at Portis who listened to the show um, and 
it was one one person at least I remember from this podcast called Snapecast, and they oh, came up and yeah. said, "Thank you, your 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 discussion was excellent and it was fair." Um, I'm like all the podcasts, so thank you for that, and it was great. And I was like, "Well, thank you, I really appreciate that. That's good to hear." It's very passionate about my some dream. people yeah. were upset. Let's be honest, we did get some emails saying. I can't remember, but well, some people didn't like it. But. I think no matter what, people are going to show yeah. their bias. And and clearly we all had our own uh, positions on the issue, but we try to bring up as much for either side as we possibly could. That doesn't mean we're going to agree with everything. Yeah. yeah. Right. And f- from an unbiased standpoint, I really felt like Joe was right. I'm not, I'm not afraid to say that Joe was crazy if she was, but she wasn't crazy. She was absolutely right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I unbiasedly can say otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just proving a point by saying that, but it's okay. I want to do a little review here quick. Let's before we get to number one, I'm going to do a little recap. Okay, main discussion, your review, the top seven stories of 2008. Number seven was WB um, announcing their Harry Potter the exhibition to tour the world in 2009. Number six was. Potter leaves the New York Times bestseller list for the first time in 10 years. Everyone is sad. Number five, Half-Blood Prince trailer is released. Number four, Deathly Hallows is going to be split into two separate films. Number three, Half-Blood Prince is delayed eight months. Number two, JKR versus RDR trial. And now we are at the moment of truth. The number one top story of 2008. Enter. Drumroll, please. New Say photos it. on Hermione's website. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is that point five? No, I, I butcher. Oh. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I meant new photo, new photos on Emma Watson's site. I didn't want to say nude. Yeah, light Lightmaker does second sight. It is for Emma Watson. That's what we have here. It's for real Emma Watson fans. Oh, Ben. <laughs> no, um, the tales of Beetle the Bard being released. Um. Why was this number one? Why wasn't the delay being number one? I, I Personally, I think this was the number one story because this showed that the Harry Potter fandom was not dead. J.K. Rowling was not done. She was still willing to put books on shelves. They still and, could put books out. Yeah, and people still were willing and excited to go to midnight release parties, even though not as many bookstores had midnight release parties. When was Beetle the Bard auctioned? Was that this year? or It was December of last year. December last is the end of last year. So we followed the story at the beginning of the year. We had thought that, you know, when Amazon Amazon won for was it three point nine eight million, was it pounds or dollars or something? Dollars. That was three point nine eight pounds, yeah. I meant dollars. Well, I don't know if I agree with it being number one. I, no, I'm I don't one of those either. people that, that think the delay probably sits up at number one and you know, Andrew, you mentioned about how showing the strength of the fandom. I would say the response to the movie delay also showed the strength of the fandom um, and just how angry um, and persuasive uh, they can be, or responsive, rather, they can be. But um, as far as Beetle the Bard, though, I thought it was a good thing. Uh, you look at all the money going to charity, it being the fastest-selling book of, of 2008, and knowing that that money is going to to such a good place, and Eric mentioned you, the the live show in London, um, and as you know, all the unveilings that took place both uh, both in New York City and in Edinburgh. So, I thought there was a lot of good things that came out of of Beetle the Bard. Laura, you're the tiebreaker here. 
Was Beetle the Bard the most? Uh, was the Beetle the Bard the biggest story, or was something else? Um, I would have to say that I agree with you on this, Andrew. Um, yes. I mean, I definitely think. Boo. Well, okay. I mean, wow. definitely, I was more not excited, but I was definitely more riled up by the movie delay. But I think for the fandom as a whole. Um, Beetle the Bard was a bigger story just because after all the years of Joe Rowling giving us things, you know, giving us books and giving us her time for interviews, she turns around a year after, you know, her final book in the Harry Potter series. She's turning around and selling something again, but this time for charity. And I just think the charitable contribution in and of itself makes it a huge story. And it just goes to show that Potter fans rock and we give to charity. Uh, now that I think about it, that I'm reading on the list, I, I would think that um, that the JKR and RDR trial and Tales of Beetle the Bard probably are the biggest Harry Potter itself news. But for the fandom, I thought that probably I, I agree with Micah with the with the Haplet Prince delay and that. But um, I thought Beetle the Bard as a whole was probably like the best little encore of the Harry Potter series that she could probably do for the fans. That I mean, you, you know, kind of like a little, like a little bit of the curtain closing a little bit. You get to you get a little extra thing. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully it's not an ending. But um, yeah, so I think it's split, and we'll get into the Twitter responses in a minute. Um, well, I'll just say right now, I think I said earlier, most of them were about Half Blood Prince being delayed, but also people brought up good points about Beat of the Bard. So we'll get to those in a minute. Eric, you ent- entered some honorable mentions. Probably a good idea. What were some of those? Um, well, Andrew, I, I thought that there were there were certain things that, that did happen this year that we did, uh, like MuggleCast history-wise, that I thought were worth just honorable mentioning. Um, one of them was the conclusion of Pickle Pack, um, which happened this April. Uh, April of 2008, the beginning of the year, we, we sort of uh, finished up and, and everyone, including Matt, uh, got really involved with, with doing Blickles and uh, making up for lost time in 2007. And just in the end, it ended with a, with a bang. And I think people were, were really happy. Oh, and also the second thing, the other honorable mention I mentioned or wanted to mention was MuggleNet's Election Day uh, coverage that you guys – was it Micah that spearheaded it? Yeah. Because I, I know, Mike, you did all the news posts, and to be honest, this is something that I I was really busy. I had ne- I had nothing to do with it, not next to nothing. I had nothing to do with this, and I would still come to MuggleNet and see that it was going on. And I thought it was a great idea from the beginning. The election day, side by side, you know, elect your minister of magic, and I thought it was just the coolest idea. I have to give you mad props. I thought it was absolutely insanely awesome every way that it was done how how it happened that you all kept track of it that the twitters everything just looked so wonderful and i have to say from the outside looking in it was it just looked like something that would be so much fun to be a part of yeah yeah micah definitely a great job and um yeah i forget what i was gonna say go ahead your check your acceptance speech please (laughs) well no, Eric. I mean, thanks. It, it was a lot of fun to do, and it's just those types of things I think that keep people interested. And it, 
I think the biggest thing also that, that I took out of it was seeing people who weren't old enough to vote saying, hey, we can actually voice our opinion and it's going to matter, even though it's a fictional election, but they actually felt like they were contributing in some way and getting to vote even though they weren't allowed to vote in the in the presidential election or even people from other countries who couldn't really have a say in, in what goes on here felt like they were making a difference. So Yeah, it was just very interesting in general to follow. All right, and now now we're going to do uh, the first annual Muggle Casties Award. This is um, so just something we'll try out just for fun. Um, we're gonna do a couple of categories and name the answer in our opinions, like what what oh, fulfilled cool. that category. So we're gonna go around the table. Let's go around the table really quick. Um, biggest impact on the fandom story? Um, definitely the Papal Prince delight for me. Same. <laughs> yeah. Same. I agree. Uh, yeah, me too. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that one was easy. I was thinking. I was thinking. This sort of goes hand in hand with this. Most shocking story um, was also the Half-Blood Prince delay, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with the trial. Yeah. Specifically specifically the outcome, actually. Well, I mean, the outcome, that it was happening. I, I think the trial was shocking. And, and, and Micah brought up the parallel, too, about... When he was debating whether or not Tales of Beetle the Bard should be the number one story, he mentioned something which reminded me that, well, okay, Tales of the Beetle the Bard, he said, was was more like a fandom event. I mean, a non-fandom event. It was for everyone who reads the books and likes the books, whereas the trial was more fandom-related because inside the fandom, inside the people who were active online and viewing our site, there were the feuds and the death threats and the things, you know, which is much closer to us as far as, as feuding, but Beetle the Bard is something that's great for, for fans everywhere, is what I was thinking. So, most shocking story, um, I'm going to go with what was really close and personal, um, because a lot of personal stuff was happening um, with with the JKR feud before anyone... I mean, I think with the WB thing, you were either really hating WB or not, but with the JKR RDR, you were on one side, and, and people fought about that, I think, a lot longer or a lot more intensely than with the Warner yeah. Brothers thing. Most shocking... Um, I mean, I might stay with the RDR trial and, and say them filing for appeal on the day... Or, or I'm sorry, them re... Um, I forget the the right word. Kind of like, oh, I don't know what the legal term for it is, but getting rid of their appeal on the day Beetle the Bard was released. So essentially, deciding that that they weren't going to file for appeal. Um, oh yeah. You know, I thought it was a little yeah. weird timing. Um, and after having gone through all this in the first place, I thought it was just kind of weird that they were stepping aside. It's, but it, it is good, and I think, I, I think the reason I think it's most shocking too is because it shocked me to read the actual uh, written responses and testimony, and all the allegations were shocking to me. You know, I was very shocked, and I voiced the opinion at the time. I was shocked how RDR handled the accusation to begin with, um, and 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 how everything spiraled out of control after that. Um, I think it was shocking that it was actually happening, and it was something that even non-Harry Potter fans were saying, hey, you know, we're coming to me and saying, and, and everyone I knew who was a Harry Potter fan was being asked, what do you think about this? Is it J.K.R. being greedy? Is it this author lady? You know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't even know her, and, and everyone knew, even if you were outside the fandom, because it was making news about the Gorgeous. Next story. Um, the Least surprising. 
least surprising. Yeah. This is interesting. I didn't really think about this. Yeah, whoever thought I, that was well, a good idea. Actually, I guess movie seven being split into two films because it, there was sort of a lead up to it. Yeah, it had been rumored for a while, so. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's a big and important thing, but how else would they do it? And... Well, let, let's make this least exciting, yeah. or le- <laughs> least surprising yet exciting. I mean, it's it's still exciting. I mean, it's still one of the right. biggest things of the year. It's the least surprising story. I mean, we were doing chapter by chapter for 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 book seven, and and we we just kept saying each show, you know, wow, this is a big scene. How are they gonna do a tribute? You know, before we knew, right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's else? what I like. No, I don't. I I, I don't think. Uh, I I honestly don't think that that was mine. I think my least surprising was probably. Tales of Beetle the Bard giving out to the well, public. Then, well, okay. Yeah, fair enough. I wasn't really surprised say, about that. What? Well, I didn't hear what you said at the very end about Beetle the Bard. Oh, it wasn't it wasn't it was the least surprising story for me. Okay. Because it actually it actually was released on the date that it was supposed to be and did get delayed for 8 months. <laughs> <laughs> there was nothing. No, because I always, I always thought that they, that it was going to be released to the public anyway. I didn't know. I mean, I, I wasn't really surprised when they announced that it, people would be able to buy it. It just didn't make sense that it would only be to a special few people. Yeah, because she so did create that new be. content. Yeah, she she made the she made all that content and everything, and she's she going to give it to it just a few times. people. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, I I just thought okay she's going to do it for charity so obviously she's going to wait until a while and then she's going to give it out to more people so she can make more money for charity right it just don't it just makes sense yeah I mean for me least surprising I, I think Andrew mentioned it before but it's a smaller story but with Emma Thompson not coming back you know some people actually made a big deal about that but I really didn't think that it was that major so least interesting story yeah. Or at least surprising. I mean, actors leave all the time. I mean, Eric was talking before about how they didn't think that the trio was going to be able to make it through all seven films. So, Best Half-Blood Prince pick video of the oh, year. Geez. Oh, this is Micah's favorite category. <laughs> uh, Hang on, i got to flip through my album here. <laughs> For me, I have to say that... Um, that favorite video was definitely just seeing the scene um obviously all the trailers were great but seeing the scene where Dumbledore having that ring of fire around him I really think that's going to be a huge pinnacle scene and not you know just sort of like half-assed like so? some scenes have in previous films that are really hyped up so my best um promo pick and or video of the year will have to be the most recent trailer which looks awesome yes I would say the movie itself but I saw a version without all the special effects, and I just I don't want to be cocky, so I'm going to say the most recent trailer. Laura, how about you? Mm-hmm. Oh, it would definitely have to be the leaked trailer um, where the special effects weren't finished, and McGonagall just shoots that beautifully fake lightning bolt into the air. <laughs> oh, that was the top moment that. of my that, year. That took days. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that took seconds to copy and paste from Jeez. Microsoft clip art. It yeah, honestly kind of looked like the lightning bolt out of iMovie. Have you ever used that? Probably before? was. Yeah. I'm it gonna recreate it. You see some copyright iMovie on the bottom right hand corner. <laughs> you see the little apple. <laughs> Courtesy of iMovie video. Uh, the most recent trailer, the the fan site trailer, I would have to say, 
I like the uh, the shots of the astronomy tower that we got, with, especially the one of Harry supporting Dumbledore, um, which I guess is right when they get back from the cave. Um, as far as pictures go, all of them. I mean, I, you know, every single one. I love them all. Yeah, they you were say great. that yes. almost without, almost without like alternative meanings, Micah. Yeah, they were great. I, you know, I, I've got them all up on my wall. I got them on the computer. You know, I just, I had such a great time with all the photos. It, you know, at least they uh, gave us a reason why they did it because they weren't going to put out a movie, so they decided to. You know, it sounds like that anyway, you, Micah. Yeah. I think my favorite um it has to be with um with everybody else with the trailer. I think the I think it was the third trailer. The because of the one where um the, the one scene that we got to see with Dumbledore and Harry on the rock in the ocean and the wind's blowing in Dumbledore and Harry's face and Harry's just looking at Dumbledore with you know doesn't look very sure about this whole situation and and Dumbledore's just staring at it like oh yeah, we're going in there. You know? That was cool. that was pretty cool. <laughs> We're going in. Oh yeah, Harry. Come yeah. This is <laughs> the last place you're going to be with me before I get killed. Yeah, you ready for this? Let's go. And the following Mugglecasties award is the J.K. Rowling Award. It is soon to be prestigious. Mugglecast is doing this first, first annual Mugglecasties, and this year's J.K. Rowling Award goes to drumroll, please. <laughs> J.K. Rowling. Oh. What a surprise! Oh my god, wow. really? I, know. I never would I know. have expected. Well, I think it's only it's only appropriate we're Harry Potter podcast to have a J.K. Rowling award, and this year J.K. Rowling won it. So congrats we'll to her. See, better luck next year to the other contestants trying to I be heard, J.K. Rowling. I heard she's going to accept that award on the first show of our yeah. of the new year. I was going to say we tried to reach her for comment, but as of press time, we have not heard back. And to wrap this whole big discussion up. Um, we're going to take some Twitter feedback. We're going to have Twitter feedback every week now, as I brought up last week. It's just a couple quick ones. Um, first one, Lummy Deedle Dumb writes uh, about – the question was, what was the biggest story of 2008? Lummy Deedle Dumb wrote, the Haplet Prince pushed back till summer 2009 because once again it showed the world how passionate Harry Potter fans are. It also got the most press coverage. That's very true. <laughs> it may have gotten more than what? Beetle the Bard. Oh, yeah. Uh, not, I mean, there were so the, many videos. Not more than the trial. Oh, that's the true Washington too. Post didn't write about the 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 pushback. Yeah, well, biggest reaction. And, maybe she's trying to say. <laughs> um, yeah. H- yeah, definitely the biggest reaction. HP Twilighter writes: Beetle the Bard going to the fans announcement. Half Blood Prince news is just for the movies, but more from Joe equals amazing. So uh, I think that you know that was a good point. You know, it's more from Joe, who the creator of all this. Dominico E writes delaying movie six because movie six would have been the biggest event of 2008. I disagree with that. I don't. I would the movie being released be the biggest event if it came out this year. Uh, it depends on what they decided to do with Beetle the Bard if the movie was coming out. Good point. Assuming, but any, assuming any has the effect of the other. But I don't think so because they last year you know with book seven and movie seven being yeah. like ten days apart. Right, but I'm glad that Beetle the Bard came and out with, with movie- no other thing to be worried about at the time. Yeah, I, I would say that maybe even the trial would have moved up to number one if the movie actually came out. Yeah, it's true, too. Um, Danielle525 said, Beetle the Bard was the biggest story to me. It's a new Harry Potter-related book for, from Joe, so that's pretty special. And lastly, Malorier writes, uh, definitely the news to split Deathly Hallows into two movies. It was great news to know that the end of our fave series would be done right. So, I think I, I think I think we should have had um, a category, the biggest upset. And I think the split of Deathly Hallows was probably the best. Yeah. Like, well, uh, the one where the fans got the, the most. 
biggest you know, huh? positive w- feedback. Yeah, yeah, like, <gasps> yay, kind of feedback. Yeah. Um, there is a poll now up on MuggleNet asking you which question is the biggest, or which story was the biggest of 2008. So head on over there and vote. And um, that'll be interesting to see what the general audience thinks. But I have a hunch they're all going to say the Half-Blood Prince pushback because at least with Twitter, like 80% said the half of Prince push pushback was the biggest. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see what our audience writes in too and says if they disagree. Um anyway, uh it's time for another best of MuggleCast clip of two thousand eight and then we have a chicken soup and we're gonna wrap it up today. Um this was from our court discussion that we actually talked about a little earlier on. This is from episode one hundred forty two from April nineteenth, two thousand and eight. The key players in this uh, huge court trial um, that has taken place over the last four days, obviously everybody knows about J.K. Rowling and Steve Vander Ark, but... Um, oh, wait a second. Uh, wait, this is all your... You, you don't have any fanfare or anything? This is the best you can do? What do you mean, fanfare? Well, I mean, like, this is a big... You just said yourself, it's a big... Comp- it's, this is a big trial. You, and the co-plaintiff is Yeah, you don't, you don't have anything prepared Rowling. like that? Oh, you want me to do it like that? Well, we're not all like you, Andrew. We don't have those the JK Rowling. Wait, hold on, wait. Co-plaintiff. Wait, hold on, wait. I think I could set this up properly. Hold on one second. Okay, okay. Oh, God. In this corner, coming in at five foot five in an undisclosed amount of weight, JK Rowling. And in this corner, looking not a day over 12 years old, breaking down at the podium, Steven Benderark! Alright, that's much better. Now we have the whole thing set up and people realize how big this trial actually is. I don't even know how to continue after that, though. <laughs> that was just amazing. Um, I agree. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's another clip. That was good. We're going to wrap things up today with a chicken soup for the MuggleCast Soul Surgery Edition. This comes from Olivia G, 14 of Maryland. She writes, Hey, MuggleCast, I love your show, and I check my iTunes as often as I can to see if you uploaded a new show. Thank you guys for continuing to produce an awesome show. Today, I had to undergo a minor surgical procedure on my feet. Really minor. Nothing anyone responsible should be afraid of. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Nothing anyone reasonable should be afraid of. But I guess I'm not exactly a Gryffindor. I was terrified. I wasn't put to sleep during the procedure, so I put Muggle cast on my iPod nice and loud. Focusing on your voices kept my mind off my fear and off the pain. I'm now resting at home with two very sore toes, but I should be fine in a few days. Thanks so much for helping me conquer my fears. Hugs, pickles, and gold. Olivia. Aww. So, Olivia, we're very happy to help you through your through your surgery. That yeah, may be one of the first times someone thing. was, you know, being, you know, having surgery and listening at the same time. I would be listening to, like, as long as it's not the doctor, we're okay. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's not like it's not like going bungee jumping and and having them play uh, jump by Van Halen. Yeah, <laughs> jump, jump. Yeah, it actually happened to me. Um. All right. Well, uh, it's been another great year, and it's time to wrap up the final episode of 2008. Thank you, everyone, for listening through another year. And if you're a new listener, we hope this is the first year of many. It's a big year for us. It's the first yes. year yeah. we. Um, it's the year we stopped um, doing shows weekly, which hasn't been too bad. Yes, 
No, it no, hasn't. it was a good. It was a good thing because we there wasn't really anything to talk yeah. about. For, for much, some weeks, for, and on a then weekly other weeks, basis. there was a lot to talk about. Hence the two-hour shows. Yeah. <laughs> so, which was which was great. I mean, unless we wanted to do like chapter by chapter for all seven books. <gasps> oh, can we? I don't maybe. Think so. well, Laura, L- Laura, and I discussed it last night. We really um, wanted to. Really? Wow! For some reason, I'm, are, I'm yeah. not remembering this conversation, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. She's modest. Uh, Laura really doesn't like when you put words in her mouth, Matt. Yeah, that's not me. Oh, well, someone has to. Um, it was a big year for the whoa. show, too. I mean, we didn't really talk about the show, right? I mean, all the Portis and you guys going to London and Jim Dale. A lot still happened. A podcast still award. Happened. Yeah. And a big year coming up in 2009 with the movie and Azkatraz and a few surprises along the way. <laughs> Yeah, with the title, I mean, even without having a book out, the show grew in leaps and bounds with, you know, interviews of prestigious celebrities like Jim Dale. <laughs> Definitely, yes. Stephanie Meyer. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's it. Oh, yeah, did you have the uh, Spiderwick Chronicle kid on, too? Was that oh, this year? Yeah. That was this year? Yeah, yeah it was. <laughs> Spiderwick Chronicle. For kid. Wow. <laughs> sorry, that's probably, what's his name? Freddie Highmore. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. Big year of interviewing stars on MuggleCast who have no relation to Harry Potter. <laughs> so it was, well, it was awesome. Spider-Man Chronicles, remember, we saw, yeah. we saw yeah. that. And, it was I mean, just like was, POA. Yeah. <laughs> uh, All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. This episode really flew by for me. I cannot believe it. it's been an hour and 50 minutes recording. So, you know, it's just lovely. Yes. It's wonderful. 2008 was fun. I can't wait to see you guys again. Um... At Escatraz, it'll probably be. Yeah. I cannot Unless wait to see you either. You guys should all come to Chicago for the Harry Potter the Exhibition. Uh, maybe. What if it comes to me? Why should I go to it? Because Chicago's the first. True. It'll probably be the best. Thank you, everyone, for listening uh, to our final episode of 2008. Once again, I'm Andrew Sims. I am Eric Skull. I'm Laura Thompson. I'm Mike Tatabell. And I am ending the show of the year with my name. Matt Britton. We'll see everyone next time, sometime in January, for episode 168. Bye-bye. Bye. Happy New Year. Bye. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Bye. Year to Happy all. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah. Kiss each other. <laughs>